Hi, my name is Roy Collin and welcome to the show. I've also got five podcasts, The Awakening Podcast, Exposing Fraud and Corruption, but with Solutions, the Crypto Podcast, talking about all things blockchain, NFTs, crypto, the Meditation Podcast, talking about all different types of meditation, but there's also meditations there from one minute to two hours. And the other one's the Learn Polish Podcast, so if you're interested in learning Polish, you can do that. And the other one is speaking with Roy Collin, and I just have guests from around the world talking about either public speaking or also about their book or just general life in general. And you find everything on bio.link forward slash podcaster. I'm also a podcasting coach. And you see the QR code there, and it's also on my link as well. And if you're interested in actually going on some podcast shows, I'm helping people doing that. Or if you're interested in sponsorship, you can contact me. And I'd like to thank my sponsor, DanielPacker.com. He helps people with anxiety, stress, and addictions. He's got a 90% success rate, and you only pay if you're successful. So be sure to check him out, DanielPacker.com. I hope you enjoy this week's show. Welcome to the Meditation Podcast. You can find all our episodes on meditationpodcast.org. My guest today, originally from Florida, but now living in beautiful Portugal, is a seasoned emotional therapist and plant medicine facilitator with experience in emotional and trauma recovery, trained as a clinical nutritionist. And as we discussed previously, was previously into journalism, which is also interesting. Please welcome Becca Williams. Hi, Roy. It's so nice to be here with you. So, I mean, I've mentioned a few of the things, but I think it's probably nice to let the listeners know a kind of a little bit of your journey before we kind of delve into how you're helping people. Sure. So I think in a nutshell, I'd just like to say I, I, I help those burdened by trauma and pain, and I teach them to process their emotions so that they can confidently handle life's unexpected turns, you know, any personal or inter interpersonal situation. Um, and this is very different than what's out there. Uh, it's, it's very, it's revolutionary new. I learned it personally about 10 years ago. And I was, as you mentioned, in media at the time, I was a, a television uh, producer. And, uh, and for years, I was, well, all my life, essentially, I was burdened with anxiety and depression, and I had an explosive anger um, and a lot of sadness. And I came across this work. I did a lot of work on myself, but nothing ever really clicked um, from, you know, years of therapy uh, to then if it's not therapy in the Western world, it's some sort of spirituality, right, to go in, go in that way. And I, I, I did a lot of, um, you know, I was, I was, uh, I, I followed Buddhism for a while, uh, and then Kabbalah, which is the mystical form of Judaism. And I found that the meditation, the, you know, the quiet going in meditation just did not work for me, because of these pounding thoughts all the time. And I see that today with my own people, my own clients now where, you know, we're running, 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 and we're doing this, we're doing that. And then the idea is to sit down and shut up and go into meditation. And how, how can that be? How is that possible? So when I encountered this work, uh, it actually involves um, active um, movement and motion and strong breath work. Um, and that's the intuitive part. But what we do uh, in the learning is that the, the mind wants to know what's going on. But, you know, just as we see in talk therapy, I remember 
driving to to my therapist way back when and I'd go hmm you know what am I gonna what am I gonna talk about today and the fact of the matter is is that we cannot heal with the mind we actually have to drop in to our intuition that that deep inner knowing and this is the work that I uh, came across called emotional liberation in uh, 2014 and I started doing it in the first year it was so incredible to be able to learn what as what I was feeling and why I was feeling it and and going inward to stir it up so that it would percolate up and I could process it and release it. And it was uh, something just so extraordinarily effective that I dropped what I was doing and said, I, I, I wanna learn to help people this way. And of course, my as a clinician, I was a, a health editor for a, a long while also. So I was in the realm of physical health, if you will, but this really truly is about, about, about mental health. And so I kind of, you know, it was an easy transition uh, from that, uh, that clinical conventional medicine perspective to this more uh, spiritual piece in learning our emotions. And the big deal, Roy, is that our emotions, the difficult emotions, are here for a reason. And that's like counterintuitive because all we want to do is get rid of our emotions, right? We want to, you know, we drink them away or medicate them away or we go shopping or we have sex or pornography or whatever it is to take our mind off of feeling so bad. But the fact of the matter is, is that we need to go toward them rather than push them away. Now, it's kind of in vogue these days to go, yeah, you need to feel your emotions. Well, if I have never done that before, and in our culture, in our Western mind, we are illiterate uh, around emotions and how we're feeling and why we're feeling it. It's just this cocktail of yucky feelings. And so when we can distill it in a very specific framework, step by step, and learn about ourselves and learn that we can go inward then it is um, it's it's it it it's um, transformational truly, and over the years that I've done this, I started working actually with cannabis um, as a amplifier of this work. Now, just a tool. So these plant medicines are just tools because uh, there are lots of people who do the emotional liberation work without um, outside agents and get a lot out of it. But because I had been medicating, you know, uh, uh, under uh, underground since I was in college because somebody offered me you know some cannabis and I uh, I realized I, I felt better I started medicating and medicated all through my young adulthood into middle age to you know where I am today and uh, uh, but the fact of the matter is with with that cannabis where I was self medicating it would make me feel better during the time I was under the influence. But when the influence wasn't there anymore, when I became straight again, everything would, 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 would the anxiety, the depression, everything would come back. So what I really learned from that ongoing 
I guess, experimentation, you would say, um, self, uh, self-medication is that you need something. You really need something to go in and grab that trauma by the roots and pull it out. And so that's what I discovered when I encountered this work around emotional liberation. And then when you added a little bit of cannabis, it amplified the emotion. And we know about cannabinoids, THC and CBD, CBN, you know, the, the whole, but the stars of the show are today even CBD and THC. And we know research shows that CBD actually relaxes the fight or flight um, response. And so in doing this emotional liberation work, in, in stirring up the emotions to come up, we uh, our, our body is relaxed into it so that we can do it better. So I realized about four years ago that um, uh, I started working and experimenting with psilocybin microdosing. And, uh, and of course, you know, it, it's experiential and the people who come to me are saying, well, I, I hear you, I, I, I trust you, I, I, I hear the safety around this and I know that you are going to support me and carry me through. And so we started uh, microdosing and we found that the responses within the framework of this emotional liberation method was even more potent and powerful. Um, so it's that combination that I teach uh, and offer and guide today in all my masterclass courses, in my retreats, um, and it makes a big difference in people's lives. And uh, the way I describe it is that um, this is the end of the search, that if you have this, you don't have to go around and look under rocks, every rock, and try to find this this system or that system or this um, this therapy or that therapy. So that's why I do what I do today, Roy. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And this uh, liberation therapy that you mentioned, is that something that kind of was created in the East or who originally created this? Excellent question. Uh, yeah, so the, the uh, developer and creator of it uh, and it came out, I, I came into it and learned it about a year after the, the book was out. And this is my, this is my Bible and it's, uh, it's called Senses of the Soul, but it's, it, 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 it's emotional liberation. And it was, um, and it was written by uh, my, uh, one of my mentors and uh, who, who I studied with for four years around this GM Kalsa. And he, um, uh, he's since moved to, uh, North Carolina, but he was living in LA and he was a 40 year Kundalini master. Um, but finding that people who were going into meditation would go up, 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 and they would, they'd spend two hours in sadhana in the morning up here. And then they would come down and then they would go out to their regular life and they did not like their regular life because all the, they, nothing changed. The toxicity was still out there. So he realized um, through deep work and deep meditation that our difficult emotions are the bridge to our soul. And so if we can go in and pull that thread through the emotions, we can be in touch with our intuition, again, that deep inner knowing um, and our soul. 
so uh, I brought, I, I, I joke with him and I say, I brought, I brought the drugs to the party. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and, and you know when we when we first started working together um about seven years ago he said hey becca he said uh you can you can do the you know the cannabis or the uh psilocybin microdosing that's not mine that's not that's not within my purview i don't i don't do that but i have to tell you he has come around now bless his heart he has seen and of course you know i'm the clinician and always feeding him uh, research and studies that have come up and and he's seeing uh, the light around around this and in fact we have a master class um, uh, course uh, coming up uh, starting in april of 2024 um, where we're working together so it's really, uh, you know, I have uh, how wonderful that I'm able to uh, work with um, the uh, the developer of this emotional liberation work um, and bring my expertise around it as well as that uh, that that level of um, of the plant medicine. Mm -hmm. So with like the the plant medicine, I like there's different types. There's you know. MDM, DMT, all these different things. Then there's people that are doing the ayahuasca and everything. So what one specifically are you using and why? And have you played with a few of them? So I am, uh, uh, what do I want to say? There's, it, this is such a layered and textured subject. Uh, so I, I like, I like uh, psilocybin. Uh, because it can be, uh, I have a, uh, I have sources where they grow it organic, and uh, we actually infuse it with the, you know, spirituality singing to it, and uh, you know, it's it gets woo woo, but it's all about spirituality and how you, uh, how 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 I'm you. I'm going to just that. interject to that now because the way you said, like, you sing to it, and it might sound woo woo, and it might to some people, but I know that with plants, and I've seen it even in schools that. If you talk nasty words and beautiful words, the ones yes. that is talked nasty yes. will. And there was a Japanese guy that wrote a book as well, and he's actually showing all the crystal. But even Absolutely. in schools, the children have seen that. So that's that's a hundred percent true. That it, by actually Thank having you. positivity into it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, and I always, you know what, I always tag that on, Roy, because um, I, most of my clients who come to me um, are secular. You know, they they might not have done any they might have been th done therapy. I mean, that's probably the extent of it. So they're learning this whole piece around um, around around spirituality as it relates to kund the uh, Kundalini um, and the ancient practice uh, the ancient teachings that we bring in. And so I always I, I always uh, what do I what do I want to say qualify and say it might sound a little woo woo because to a lot of people who are listening to us it may sound woo woo. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so um, what I like is the is the entheogens which are the plant medicines. So you know cannabis. I have a one you know I have wonderful resources and farmers who are growing it uh, organic to me having come from the arena of holistic uh, nutrition as a clinical nutritionist, I, I, I moved into that area. Um, I, I understand, I believe how important um, and really invested in clean medicine. Um, so having said that most of the time, so let's say ayahuasca um, what happens or, or, or uh, macro doses of psilocybin, 
what happens is that you just, you know, if you go to uh, a, a guide, um, what you'll do is lay down and you will have a mask over your head. They'll, you know, they'll play wonderful music and the plant will have its way with you for, you know, anywhere from four to eight hours. Um, but that's not what we do in this work. And that's why microdosing is so important because what happens is we are uh, conditioning, strengthening, if you will, our nervous system so that we can bring these emotions up. Because remember, so many people all their lives have brought these emotions. When they start coming up, you know, they like, they like poke through <gasps> and it's scary. So they're very close to the surface and, and we, and they need to learn how to ride that wave. That's what I do is teach people to ride that wave. We, we invite the emotions up and then it's like getting on uh, um, uh, a stallion and teaching it how you're going to ride this. And, and, and so when we include plant medicine, we include tiny amounts of it because we want to stay in that space where uh, we're in control. We are in control. So it's not letting the plant have its way with you. It's about bringing it into a framework where we are feeling into it and understanding what we're feeling and why we're feeling it. Now, having said that, yes, it is walking through the dark night of the soul. It is, and, 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 the, and people who have done this will relate to this that it is painful, it is suffering, but all you have to do is move this through layer by layer and wish it goodbye and it won't, and, and, and it's gone, as opposed to feeling that yucky feeling each and every day for the rest of your life. So, you know, as they say, uh, to get on the other side, you have to go through it. To get on the other side but in in doing it it is the uh what do i want to say it is you're you're so supported um you know i'm as a teacher and a guide it is about making people feel they are in a, a trustworthy environment and so as a guide around this it's very important for someone uh, you know, we talk about set in setting, and that's what I spend a lot of time doing is helping people feel safe in order to do this work, because this work is not spiritual bypassing. This work is going in to that 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 deep uh, uh, cream filled center where the juice is so that we can grab it and bring it out and let it go. Mm -hmm. Are you typically uh, doing one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions or do you do group? I will do one-on-one. -on -one. Um, uh, you know, uh, what I find is the power of groups is uh, unparalleled because, you know, we kind of walk around when we are in pain, in emotional pain, in uh, suffering, and I know this, I'm like the only one around. I'm the only, you know, I, it's me. I'm the only one and everybody else has a better life than I do. But when we bring people together in a group and I, 
and 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 I talk about you know what I uh, the the most recent uh, practice or the most recent teaching um, that I've gone through and what came up for me. Others will go, yeah, yeah, I feel that same way. Yes, and it's just so bonding. It's um, it's so secure, security binding, and um, and, and 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 you know I know that we talk about community, but it has to be among like-minded individuals. I'm here to move through my shit and you're here to move through your shit. And so we're here all together. And that is so powerful. And it, it can't be, you know, some of these gatherings, these online gatherings are like, I was just talking to somebody the other day, 400 people in this gathering of teachers, you know, 400 people, you know, I like a small group, no bigger than 12 people. Um, and and uh, uh, that gives the person, that allows the personal one-on-one -on -one attention because that's what people need to feel safe because they have not had that, mostly have not had that personal attention, um, that heart to heart intimate connection. And so it's very important. That is that is uh, probably the most pivotal piece that, that making people feel comfortable with me and with each other. Mm -hmm. So the bottom you, line is I like, I like groups. <laughs> and cause like I've come across where uh, some like say the facilitator kind of microdoses as well to get at the same level as the people in the room. Is that something that you do yourself or do you just don't do it? So, so um, if we're talking about, let's talk about cannabis for a moment. Um, I will, uh, I, I, for me, my charge is everybody in the room or everybody in the online course. And so I'm not, uh, so I want to be single, singularly focused on, on what I'm doing. And so for cannabis, I will do some CBD uh, to get in the field, but I do not do THC at the time. Uh, and I, you know, I have very specific um, protocols with the THC and CBD where people in their respective countries or states or whatever that might be, I ask them to, um, to make sure to, to, and I teach all this, but to have um, CBD, THC, one to uh, two to one, twice as much CBD as THC. So you can see the CBD, as I mentioned earlier, is relaxing the fight or flight response. So we have twice as much, and then we bring in the THC that peaks that emotion that comes up. I have people write me and go, I can't do THC because when I do it, um, I get terrible, I get really anxious. In fact, there was uh, uh, one most recently where she says, uh, yeah, you know, in a group of people and, and they're sharing it and I do it. And then all I want to do is leave the scene because I get so upset or I get sad and I, all I want to do is cry. And, and that's exactly what the plant is here to do is to help you be in touch with your emotions. But in a recreational setting, obviously that's not the kind of thing uh, that a person, a person wants, but the, the plant knows the way the plant, she knows what she's doing. And so, so people come to me and say, well, I, I can't, I can't do cannabis because I get so anxious. Well, 
you know, we cheat, we need to change the relationship with the plant. We need to understand why this stuff is coming up. Now, having said that, you know, this, the THC that's like in Colorado legally, um, where it's, it's sky high, you know, 27, 28, 30% THC. That's what I call crack THC. I mean, you do not want to go there. That is a prescription for, uh, for some people, um, you know, uh, having a psychotic break. You do not want to do that. Um, so I don't know where I was uh, going with this. Oh, yes. So the microdosing. So the microdosing is important in the sense that um, microdosing is, is you're not uh, consciously aware uh, when you're at the levels, those very minuscule levels of taking in uh, the, uh, the psilocybin. So on a daily basis, you may feel lighter and brighter, but any kind of, you know, dizziness or hallucination, things moving, whatever. No, no, that's too much. It's too much. So that's one of the other things that I help people do is to find what we call their sweet spot. So, you know, the, the microdosing can help a deeper connection with the world, uh, a new appreciation of life. It does uh, improve creativity and cognitive flexibility. It, it, it for it, importantly in my work, it improves emotional processing and it heals through emotional release and within of course that framework. So for me, um, I will I will microdose because there is no um, I'm I'm on track, you know, we can, with microdosing, we can do everything we normally do, work, drive, interact, whatever that is, because it's not that, it's it's not a, a macro dose of, uh, of psilocybin. Did I explain that Absolutely. well enough? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay. And okay. Like, especially in the States, because like I was looking at, you know, a lot of these people, when the cannabis became legal in more states, and then there was a lot of people, they were kind of creating their own business. Then it got very highly regulated. So all the kind of decent guys got shut out. And then big farmers kind of kicking in. So I don't think it's safe, a lot of the stuff that's going out there. Whereas people think because it's provided in mass quantities and they can get, they're even putting them in gummy bears, which to me is insane. That like, because children will pick that up. And when there's very high doses, it is so dangerous that what they're doing. But when you see that, like, like you mentioned earlier, like you try to get everything as organic and, you know, just yes. making sure that yes. But unfortunately, most people aren't even aware of the like toxicity in some of the products that are being sold. Well, the crap that can be put in them. Uh, now, the, the if you don't know if we're talking about the, you know, the underground market. Um, if you don't, if you don't know your provider, then yeah, you're kind of hanging out there for, uh, for, for anything. Um, because, because what happens, um, in illegal grows, um, you, you, you know, when you buy from a guy with, you know, here's your money, here's your paper bag, right. And what, you know, my paper bag, you know, anything could be in that paper bag with the, uh, with the cannabis, right. Anything in that, in that, in that plant. Um, so, so what happens, um, is, you know, if you're, if you're in a place where you have to look at the underground market, importantly, know your, 
grower, know your legacy grower. Now, for like in Colorado, and I spent years in Colorado, and that's where actually I started uh, cannabis elevation ceremonies. Um, when it's legal, there, there, there are um, uh, analyses that, and and standards that that a dispensary has to adhere to, and they have to prove that that particular batch of cannabis has been through all this testing so and and to show uh, you know it's free of this that and the other thing now does do, does it slip do things slip through absolutely i mean if you have acres of plant and then you get some sort of bug or mold on them and this we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars it's like shit what am i going to do and you know let's sneak some of this killer this this mite killer in or this mold killer or whatever and you know uh, there's been busts in Colorado where uh, where dispensaries and and cannabis companies have been fined big because they were found out that way but you know speaking generally speaking if you buy from the legal market you are going to have some some certain confidence that it's going to be clean okay despite what i've just said but in the in the underground market if you do not know your uh your grower then all sorts of shit can be put in that and there's no um there's you know there's there's no filtering or analyses or uh regulations on that um i believe even though it can happen um, that that uh, psilocybin because it's fungi that it's hard to add stuff to it. It's just you know it's it's the it's the mushrooms. It's the dried mushrooms. Uh, you um, you grind it um, and then you know you uh, you ingest it in in various ways. Uh, there's always there's always uh, uh, room for misdeeds and bad play in these sorts of things. But, you know, LSD is is made in a lab MDMA. You know, I mean, the shit that they can put in that stuff and cut that. So I do like to stick with um, with psilocybin because I do believe it's the it's the safest for my people, safest way to go. Mm -hmm. And with even with the microdosing and people that actually go through this, because what I've seen, even with cannabis, I remember at a young age, there was people that were kind of on it and they got addicted. They say it's not addictive, but I, I saw that they just like were in massive amounts and I could see their speech was slowing down. They were just like, it, 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 without a doubt, it had affected them. Mm -hmm. And with like say people that are doing the ayahuasca, I've heard of some people they go away to do the one ayahuasca, but there's others that get addicted to it and they're constantly doing it. With this, is it that you get to a certain level that you release the trauma, you're done, you know where you are and you're grand, or is it something you have to continue for life? You have such good questions. Um, so can I say something about the uh, about uh, the, the the THC um, because we know that it's not uh, physiologically addictive; it's psychologically addictive, and this is what I love about uh, about cannabis, Roy, and that is that it serves us. It's it's sort of a it's not called legal. It's not called a formally an adaptogen. 
Um, but it, uh, what it does is it works for us in however we need it. So if we are in pain, if we are in emotional pain and, 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 and it serves us to just be stoned all the time, you know, we call it, uh, the, you know, there's, uh, it used to talk about sativa and indica and indica was in the couch, you know, because it makes you, it makes you, uh, uh, relaxed and, you know, so in the couch all the time. So maybe somebody is in pain and wants to just be uh, uh, high all the time and maybe, uh, you know, to play video games or whatever. At some point in their life, they're, they're likely going to say, I'm done with this. I want to move on from this. And so what happens is when they start, when they start um, tapering off of the cannabis or they go cold turkey, that they are ready for something else. And so what she does, the plant is sort of wraps them in a cocoon and holds them. But when, they, when a person is ready to come out, there's no, essentially for the general population, there is no downside that you just keep, you just go out and continue with your life, the, the next step in your life. Whereas people who uh, take uh, uh, SSRIs and, you know, other uh, uh, mood management drugs, terrible, terrible side effects. And it just so corrupts the brain chemistry that they can't get off them. I mean, fentanyl, you mentioned, I mean, look at, you know, it was made to make people feel better, but in the end. So, um, uh, uh, so it is what I, what I call a dependence uh, on cannabis is the least of the worst of everything. When somebody comes out and people come to me and say, I'm ready to change my relationship with cannabis now, or there are those who say, you know, I used to be really dependent and I had an addiction to cannabis and I'm very scared about it. It's a different, it just turns it on its head in, in, in creating a new relationship with this plant. And, um, and that's one of the things I do. Now, in regard to the medicine, um, and becoming hmm, addicted to the feeling, right? So it's not so so uh, macro journeys of you know acid or or psilocybin or ayahuasca, whatever. I mean, there's you know ketamine is a big. I mean, ketamine is highly addictive, but it's like um, you know it's the um, it's feeling. It's feeling better when a person is on it than not. And so what they want to do is just um, numb their lives and be in this, um, this place where it feels so good. And that's getting lost. That's getting lost. And that's, that's another form of spiritual bypassing. With the breathwork then because I've I've experienced a lot of different types of breathwork I've seen kind of colorful visualizations so kind of like tripping <laughs> with just the breathwork but I've also been in big groups where a lot of people release the trauma 
and thankfully there was kind of good facilitators so they were there to kind of help maybe they went too deep and maybe should have microdosed with the breath work as well because maybe going very heavy is kind of the same and that scares me as well because yes. sometimes online there's people doing this and i'm thinking what about somebody that's at home on their own and then they've just realized that they've been you know abused as a child or something like that, that is serious and yes. you know so we kind of have to have some sort of i don't know I, I'm not into regulation, but at the same time, there's so many crooks out there, even with uh, doing facilitating, you know, they they just learn it and then they don't know what they're doing. They're just charging people go to this part of the Amazon. So like to protect people, what's the best way? Like cause a lot of people, they're just, they're, they're hurting and they, they, they've, they've heard right. that someone can help them. So how can they realize who to trust? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a, a really important question, um, and I just want to you know point out the breathwork, but also uh, there's um, a couple of books uh, that have been written. Um, just looking at my library here and seeing if it's right here, I don't see it right away. Uh, but about silent meditation, so going to silent retreat retreats, you know, the the Buddhist approach to silent meditation, uh, that if um, that that many people. Uh, are triggered, are triggered by silent meditation. Uh, and one example that comes up is for people uh, who have been sexually abused as children and uh, their abuser uh, uh, took them and said, be quiet, be very quiet. Otherwise, you know, and so they had, well, this abuse of their body was going on. They had to be they had to be quiet. They had to be silent. So if you, uh, then, you, then what happens, somebody's in a silent meditation and silent, then this stuff percolates up and they're, um, they're re-traumatized. So um, let me just say that whether it's, you know, anything, anything can be triggering. So the big deal is preparing people for this, um, uh, uh, for this, 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 since this, re, this triggering, this re-triggering, um, and, uh, and, and, and talking them through any expectations and what to do. What I always say is stuff, you are in control, right? I mean, that's why, that's why, uh, when, when somebody is doing an ayahuasca, uh, trip, it's letting the, the plant have its way with you. I want you to be in control in my work you are in control. So when you, you know, you might've had, you have a little, uh, um, you might be microdosing uh, on psilocybin, or you might have a, you know, a, a puff or two of, of uh, some nice, even two to one cannabis uh, in your system. Um, so I always tell people that you don't want, you know, on cannabis, you, it's not about getting stoned. You do not want to get stoned because you're gonna lose the benefit of going in deep, if that's the case, because you just numb yourself out. It's just sparking it more. It's just amplifying it a little more um, to uh, to go inward. Um, so where was I going with that, Roy? Sometimes I get ahead of myself. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, I, I know. So I say to people that we're going to be doing this strong breath work, but if you feel things coming up, too fast, too hard. I want you to drop into long, deep breathing and just be with it. 
just be with the breathing. And it's an education before we go into any of this stuff. It is an education on how to take care of yourself. And that's what I teach is a form of self-therapy. So people can do this themselves. It's always lovely to have a guide or a mentor or a coach or you know whatever that looks like. And that's a role that I, I, I can and do serve. But in the end, I don't want you relying on me for the rest of your life. I want to help you get on the path where you are doing this regularly. So moving this stuff through. Now, that's why our, our masterclass uh, uh, program is, um, is, is um, it starts in April and it is, it, it spans a year. Now it's not uh, totally a year. We do eight weeks on and then you get a month to rest and then eight weeks on and then another month to rest and it, and it goes for uh, five modules like that. Uh, but it's really important uh, to, to keep it up because, you know, going to something for three days and then going, well, you know, I've lived with this trauma all my life and I'm going to go to this four day retreat and I'm going to get rid of all of it. I mean, it's, you know, that's what the promise of ayahuasca, for instance, these ayahuasca um, retreats, but truly, you know, I mean, I have talked and interviewed and did intake uh, interviews with, with hundreds of people. And so many of them have tried psychedelics as yet another way to get rid of this feeling shitty and it didn't work. You know, it either... Uh, it either didn't do anything or they had a terror, you know, they had a bad trip. We're not supposed to say bad trip, but there are such things as bad trips. And I don't think people have to have them um, in, in, in my framework, you know, um, people who who want to do a full on um, journey with psilocybin. I will, but only before they have had the opportunity to work with me and strengthen and condition their nervous system because you know you go in with this ayahuasca and people just go nuts they go nuts they don't know what to do with it their system does not know what to do with it it's an assault on their nervous system and we want to make it so there's no assault <laughs> oh, i love that and just with the trauma because i mean i didn't even think just recently that with the childbirth I mean, that must be traumatic, traumatic for the baby. I mean, that <laughs> the pain and what's going on, they don't know what's going on. So is that carried forward? But even going back a layer, like with oh, yeah. genes, like from, say, the wars, the famines and everything, are we carrying trauma being passed on from cells? What's your thoughts on that? My thoughts on that. Uh, so this establishes that there is like it's a life death life death life death cycle and that's my uh that's my belief system that's that's what I believe um um I I believe that we are living we are everything is energy everything is vibration and um and that is the metaverse and that we there is a huge sea of energy and we um uh, we come out of that sea of energy and at the end we go back into that sea of energy, um, that ocean of energy. And then how do we come out? I, 
you know, maybe we'd come out here on this plane in the United in the United States. <laughs> it's all about the Americans <laughs> in this world, or you know, another world, or where you know, where are we? But but the fact of the matter is, is that there's never any new energy, um, new additional energy. Energy is energy; it just uh, reconstructs itself. Um, so um, if if we um, I do I do lean on the understanding that if we uh, life is a continuum and uh, and and we're gonna uh, and and we're always moving toward wholeness, even if we don't know it, though you know the uh, Donald Trump is moving toward wholeness. I mean he he may be several, not for me to judge, but you know, just as an example, you know, thousands and thousands of of of, of lives away from being kind and compassionate and um, uh, uh, being realized, uh, if if you will, or or enlightened. Um, and so it can be, um, you know, we were just uh, my partner and I were just watching Groundhog Day uh, the other day. Are you familiar with with uh, Bill Murray and Groundhog Day? You know, where he lives the he lives the same day over and over and over again until he actually uh, realize uh, his authenticity and how to interact with people with in, in love and caring and that sort of thing. That can take a while, depending on what sort of uh, 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 environment we we came out of it, and so can we? Uh, we can we can grow, and if we haven't grown all that much, can we take that into the next life? Of course, we take that into the next life. I mean, that's that's my belief because our soul wants us to learn these lessons, and we are born into a situation that is going to encourage us and nurture us into healing uh, what we've come into this world with. I mean, Stan Groff, you know, the psychiatrist who started out with um, working in the in the 60s uh, with uh, psychedelics. And then when they um, uh, when they became illegal, he um, uh, he did. Uh, he started holotropic breathwork, which is a big thing these days. Um, and then, of course, psychedelics coming coming back in. But, you know, he has a chapter and verse on people who have um, gone, uh, you know, gone back in uh, and, and 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 seen themselves in not only in in um, in utero but also in the lives before that and what was what was going on. So uh, truly, I believe I believe in personal uh, that there's trauma from you know intergenerational uh, because. If you know, I came from a very difficult and challenging and 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 volatile uh, childhood, um, and 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 the only reason that happened was because the my caregivers came from that, and their caregivers came from that. Remember, you know, up until right now, children were uh, supposed to be seen and not heard, and uh uh. uh you know, agri agriculture, which we were mostly agrarian for, you know, uh, centuries, um, farmers would have children and lots of children, so they would be hands on that on the farm. And uh, they were, uh, again, they were just these little pairs of hands to do work. And we're seeing that, of course, in, 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 in sweatshops and whatever. But, you know, right now, right here, we are more conscious about 
how to raise children than we ever have before. We have a long way to go, but now we, um, so many of us um, honor, honor children and honor their feelings. And so that's where we need this literacy to start is for parents to say to their children, how do you, I see you're sad. Are you, what, why are you sad? What's going on there? Or apologizing to their, my, my parents would have never apologized to me. You know, whatever I do to you, I do to you and screw you kind of thing. Um, so uh, yes, and we do know um, oh, oh, women um, who are in distress and carrying a child, let's say um, a woman who is going to have to give her baby up for adoption, for instance. And so she's carrying this child and she's depressed and sad and you know, all of that energy um, is going in to this baby. And so we see for uh, among adopted children, we see um, huge issues of abandonment, even though they might've been given up for adoption and then, and then received by people, by a set of parents who love them and adore them and are treating them in a very healthy way with, with great parenting, they still have this deep, deep issue around not being good enough that was instilled in that space when they were in utero. So yes, to your answer, yes, yes. And just, just finally, because like if we look at say big pharma psychologists that have kind of a patient for life, there's a lot of skepticism about what you're doing, not just you, but even with people that I'm working with as well, helping people, because they, they, they've been kind of, I suppose, the propaganda, the brainwashing, this is the only way, take the tablet, take all these medications. And I think when you come across that, like how is there ways of kind of trying to peel the layers off that they're open to alternatives? That's a great question. Because um, I see this as a, as a clinician also. Uh, we have a society, Western society, and of course the Western mind is not just in the United States, but it's in Europe and elsewhere, uh, but it's take a pill and feel better, right? Take a pill and feel better. And that has gotten us into big trouble uh, over, over the years. And we're, you know, you, you, we're seeing this in the psychedelic community, right? Ayahuasca, go wherever and take this, take this plant medicine pill and feel better. And it's like, I just want to be done with this misery. We can't do it that way. And so what generally happens is that people get worn out. They get worn out by pharmaceuticals. Um, they see uh, that it's not, you know, they, uh, the big deal, the big complaint uh, for for people who I uh, who I who I work with is who have been on medications uh, for decades in some in some cases. It started I you know I I, I had a client who was um, uh, put on SSRIs as an 11 year old, um, and uh, and so the tapering uh, he got very interested in tapering, and even his psychiatrist did not know how to taper. Um, so you know you have these these doctors who um, are, you know, are, 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 are pushed by the pharmaceutical companies to write these scripts and give this stuff out. But when it's time to come off, they have not a clue as to how 
how, how to come off of it. So generally what happens is people need to go through um, a self-realization that um, uh, a lot of times what the wake up call for people um, is that, yeah, you know, I'm taking this anti-anxiety drug and it, I don't feel anxious, but I also don't have any pleasure in my life. So, you know, while the anxiety has been quelled, also all the pleasurable emotions have been quelled and they get very tired of this tiny um, spectrum of emotions because they can't feel the good things that they want to feel. And so that is, you know, that, that seeks them, that, that um, leads them to seek out other ways of being. And that's what I get a lot in, um, in my, uh, in my space. I know I said that was the last question, but if <laughs> with the nutrition, because you know, your experience with the nutrition and I see so many people with digestive issues and I know that some of the stuff is the toxins they're spraying with it, but I believe a lot of it is the trauma that's coming out and that's why it goes down to the stomach. And I just like, if you'd like to just touch a bit on that. Yeah, this is where we bring in, um, it gives me goosebumps to talk about this, Roy, um, where uh, the spirituality, the yogic science of the uh, the chakras and um, the um, um, in our abs. And if I stand up in our abs uh, right here um, is the third chakra point, And that's where we hold. Um, a lot of our trauma. I mean, our trauma is embedded in our tissues and our nervous system, but we hold a lot of it there. And so, of course, of course, you would um, you would see people with with stomach issues. Um, and and we we know that that the physical um, uh, the physical ailments and challenges often, mostly, most come from emotional um, emotional trauma, emotional trauma. And, and so if I am constantly pushing down my feelings, where does it go? Where do the, where do those feelings go? They have to go somewhere and they go into maladies. They go into, you know, um, digestive upset, uh, cancer, um, you know, what, 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 whatever, what, whatever it looks like. So that is why um, I went into this space because I was, um, a, 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 I'm a nutritionist and have been since 1990, uh, but I found that no matter how many supplements and you know, functional medicine is really about at the cellular level, like getting to the source, but at the cellular level, with that emotional suffering, that cell, all the trillions of cells in our body can be affected by that constant onslaught of stress. This is not a news flash these days, but what happens at, we can be taking all the supplements and eating all the best food in the world, but if we can't deal with that trauma, it's going, it's, it, it's, it's, it's it's gonna show up physically yeah, yeah excellent listen becca thoroughly enjoy this conversation it's fascinating so you might let people know where they can uh, get in contact with you 
Well, thank you. It's easy. It's so easy. It's just myname.org. So it's See, people uh, would put down myname.org. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> it's BeccaWilliams.org. And everything you ever need is uh, to know uh, about what's coming up from me. Um, and uh, what I have to offer is right there. BeccaWilliams.org. Yeah, I have all the I have all the social media and stuff, but BeccaWilliams.org. <laughs> Perfect. I'll make sure I put the links both on the audio and the video. And I put the social media as well because everybody kind of follows oh. what they like. So it, it all helps. So Roy, thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. So that's all for, no, for me as well. That's all for the meditation podcast. You'll find all our episodes on meditationpodcast.org. Until next week, take care. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, and share with your friends. And you'll find all my shows with the QR code or bio.link forward slash podcaster, as well as my podcast coaching. And I'd like to thank my sponsor, danielpacker.com, helping people with anxiety, stress, and addictions. He's got a 90% success rate, and you only pay if you're successful. Also, if you'd like to go on a podcasting tour, I can help you do that. And if you're interested in sponsorship, you can contact me on my bio.link forward slash podcaster. Until next week, take care.